You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hi, church family. Welcome back and happy Monday. This week, our topic for our podcast will be the person of Jesus Christ, our favorite topic as a church. Uh, My guest today is my friend, Andy Baker. So, hey, Andy. Hey. Andy is a pastor of First Baptist Church Olo, just outside of Hattiesburg on 98. Um, Andy's been there for a couple of years, and I've been admiring your ministry for a long time. I I love to bump into college students that are bragging on you, students that you're mentoring. And I just want to say, way to go, man. Thanks for being a great co-laborer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you. You bet. Hey, also, you are a Ph.D. student right now. You're studying at New Orleans, which is where I went to school. And so uh, hang in there. You can can do it, man. I promise. Thank you. I need that. (laughs) All right. Where are you in your study? You almost uh, almost done with seminar? I am. I'm in my last semester of uh, seminars, and we'll start, uh, by God's grace, writing after the first of the year. That's fantastic. Well, maybe later we can have you on the podcast just to catch us up on what you're writing. But today, our topic is Jesus. And this happy Monday to everybody. This Monday, we're going to be talking about the fact that Jesus Christ is fully divine. And so, um, He's fully God. When the church launched um, straight out of the New Testament age in that first century into the second century, one of the things that the church had to wrestle with was, uh, who is this Jesus that came to save us? And after they did their thinking and their wrestling together, they were convinced that Jesus was both fully man and fully God, one of the most complex ideas in Christian theology. Thanks for helping us walk through that today. So the first step, Jesus is fully God. What does that mean, Andy? Well, the Christian faith hinges upon a right understanding of the person of Jesus Christ, obviously being fully man and fully God. And so the earliest heresies of the first and third centuries surrounded uh, the person of Jesus Christ and what it meant to be uh, fully God. And even some of the fastest religions of our day uh, are rooted in this understanding of the deity of Christ. And so I think when you consider fully God, you have to start uh, with the incarnation, what we believe about Jesus and, and God becoming uh, human. And so the incarnation, as Wayne Grudem describes, is the act of God the Son, whereby he took to himself a human nature. And so when you consider fully God with Jesus, being born, being, being, becoming human, uh, there are numerous uh, supporting passages that we could look to. Um, obviously, we don't have time to address all of those, but a couple passages that may be familiar uh, to those listening. John 1, uh, John 1, 1, and then John 1, 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word being Jesus. Uh, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known through Christ. Uh, and then Psalm, quoting from Psalm 45, 6, Hebrews 1, 8 states this. This is one of my favorite passages talking about the deity of Christ. Uh, Hebrews 1, 8 says, But of the Son... He says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. And then the author then uh, elevates Christ uh, as God, uh, as he writes two verses later in 10 through 12. Uh, You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. 
They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. All of that writing of the Son, all of that writing of Christ, and quoting Psalm 45, attributing it to the Son, points directly to the deity of the Son, the eternality of the Son, the the, uh, equality of the Son uh, with the Father as fully God. And so when you think about Jesus and you think about uh, Him being fully God and what that means for us as humanity, that means a lot of things. God becoming human, God taking on flesh, Jesus not just being fully man but being fully God has eternal implications for all of us uh, as Christians. And it is necessary for Jesus to be fully God. If Jesus is our Savior, it is necessary for Him uh, to be fully God, and it has tremendous implications for us as Christians. Uh, First, uh, a finite creature is incapable of bearing the full penalty of sin. Okay, so I want I want to say that in layman's terms, Andy. A finite creature is incapable of bearing human sin. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he died as as a, as us, a perfect representative sure. of humanity because he was human. But in order for your life to have the weight to pay for the penalty of human sin all across the world, you had to be more than just a man. That's right. It takes a uh, perfect sacrifice, and a perfect sacrifice can only be God. Because all of us are tainted by sin, all of us, not, all of creation, uh, is is infiltrated by sin, if you will. And so, uh, for Christ to die on the cross as a as a sacrifice for our sins, it was necessary that He be perfect, as God is the standard of perfection. And so, apart from His perfection, there is no salvation. So, with perfect God dying on the cross, a member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, with the Son on the cross, you have infinite payment for human sin. That's right. That's right. That's but, awesome. Because Jesus is God. Another aspect uh, that uh, that points to the necessity of Jesus being fully God uh, is that the author and the perfecter of our faith is the Lord. You think about Jonah chapter 2, 9, salvation belongs to, to the Lord. Right. Well, if salvation belongs to the Lord, then only the Lord can provide salvation for us. That's so right. So Jesus has to be uh, deity. So I'm imagining being a member of the early church. You know, it, If you think about it, you know, Peter, James, John, they, they, they didn't have to wrestle with the idea that Jesus was fully human. They walked and they talked to and they ate with him. They knew him. They fished with him. You know, they. I That's mean, right. they. They walked the road with him, but then after he died and rose again, and they realized there was more to you than we thought, and they begin to reflect on his teachings, and they begin to write out the gospels, and, and he spends forty days teaching them who he truly was, and then they launch the church, like. I can imagine all of Judaism hanging on their teachings of the early apostles, and realizing that we've always known that God would send Messiah to redeem and rescue us. We just had no idea that Messiah, the anointed one, would have been a member of the Trinity, that God would come to us as Jesus. That's right, which is remarkable. When you think about the grace of God and you think about who God is and how much God cares and loves for his people, that the infinite purpose and plan within the Godhead was for a member of the Trinity to take on flesh, to become human. And pay for our sin. That's right, through through a... brutal sacrifice and, and, and the pain of that sacrifice and the abandonment of the Father and all those things. One of my favorite passages, and this may be in your notes, um, yeah, Andy, but one of my favorite passages about the divinity of God, about about Jesus being fully fully God, about the divinity of Christ, is um, that passage where we nicknamed Thomas Dowling Thomas. That's a terrible nickname for Thomas, in my opinion. He was <laughs> yeah. pretty courageous. Yeah, he's the one that, that said, I'm, let's go to Jerusalem and die with him. That's I mean, right. I, and he's just asking for the same proof that all the disciples got already. Well, anyway, when he realizes that Jesus really is back from the dead, when he sees the scars and he sees the hole inside, 
he shouts out to him in, in John twenty twenty eight, my Lord and my God. That's right. And I know that people will say, yeah, but Lord could just be like the you know the the boss of the man or the sure. owner of the plantation, you know. Not for a Jewish guy. No, no way. You know, I mean, for all the early apostles, they were Jewish, and they grew up, you know, reciting the Shema every day. That's right. they, you know, there was one, one God for them, one Lord, and for, and for one of them to look at Jesus and shout, "My Lord and my God." Yeah, that is heavy and intentional. Language. Absolutely, absolutely. And you think about the word Lord, Old Testament Yahweh. You know, they didn't even spell out the whole name because mm-hmm. they regarded God as so holy. And for Thomas to say that, yep, it is a direct an astounding proclamation that Jesus has got. And so based on that, I just want to sort of historically push the church back to that moment. When did the church first begin to recognize the divinity of Jesus? And I can at least say it was right after the resurrection when sure. Thomas looks at him and shouts, my Lord and my God. It I was you know conquering the grave, the resurrection from the dead. Sure. And I wish I could have leaned into all those teachings and to hear what Jesus taught the disciples in those 40 days. Sure. So, Andy, I know that you brought a few other things that you might want to share with us. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with Carterville as we're scattered for mission this week? Um, you know, the, the gospel and Christ being fully God as our mediator really drives us and pushes us to, to love God the Father more, to know that we have an eternal mediator, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 7, even speaking of uh, Melchizedek and the foreshadowing of Jesus as the eternal priest forever, only uh, God could mediate between man and God, uh, fulfilling the Levitical priesthood. And so for us as Christians, it is a tremendous grace to know that because Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient, because uh, He was God, He fulfilled the priesthood, He is now our eternal priest, we can go to Him anytime in prayer. We can go to the Father anytime we have a need and know confidently that Jesus is there to intercede on our behalf. And we should boldly approach the throne of grace. Awesome. So when I read the book of Revelation, which is one of my pet projects. I love the book of Revelation. I, I'm not a weirdo about it. I, I have some. I have probably a different interpretation than a lot of folks do, but I love it. Yeah. Love. I love the picture of Jesus, and I love this this image of the glorified Christ showing who He sure. was and saying to the church, "I'm the Alpha and the Omega." Yeah. Uh, and we realize that that the eternal nature of God, He was before all things. He was the beginning, the source of all things, and He is here for eternity. Yeah. And then for Jesus to look at the church, to look at John, and to say, "I am Alpha." And Omega, I am beginning and I am the end. Um, So this Savior that died on the cross for you is a member of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was fully God. That's right. Andy, thanks for coming to bless our church today. Yeah, great time, man. Man, it was a pleasure to have you. Look forward to being with you again tomorrow. Sure.